0: Hey now, what's going on? It's Jeff. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know that you are listening to the audio of a live video stream from the us YouTube channel. It may reference visuals that can't be heard, obviously, but if you want the whole enchilada, go to youtube.com backslash That's F-R-U-M-E-S-S. Because who doesn't like a whole enchilada? Good evening. A bit late to be doing a broadcast. Um... But we have important business to attend to. Um, Where to start? Um, Dave Street, who we've mentioned on the channel from time to time, um, a dear friend and longtime collaborator um, passed away yesterday really weird day too for dave to pass away uh, for me per- me personally uh because it was my daughter's birthday and so now when i think of my daughter's birthday i'll also think of dave i guess maybe they're uh kind of bonded in that i don't know that's a weird thought too um i was in complete shock total shock that dave died truly just, I mean, I'm not entirely surprised, but shocked nonetheless. Uh, but I'll get into all that. I actually, to sort of keep me on the beam, I've been sort of working on and off all day in between, you know, everything else, uh, working on um, uh, sort of like a a memorial, tribute, eulogy, sort of just a a thing uh for Dave, who, who I knew for 12 years and who taught me a lot in, in many kind of ways. Um let's just jump into it, shall we? I'm gonna try and stay on the beam here with my I have a I have a a thing. This is from my blog b- the blag actually B L A hg like blah like blog and i'll put a link to it in the comments there's more stuff coming with the blog um this is just what i was able to get up today so that's what i've done i put this um I, i slapped this together probably would have spent more time with the photos just a quick note um I stole a lot of these photos from Dave's Facebook, so I don't know who took all the photos, but I just wanted Dave, I just wanted a a cross section of Dave to be represented as we speak about him tonight on the broadcast, and I thought this would be the best way to go about that. So here it is right now, and I apologize in advance for any um, any kind of <laughs> frog I have in my throat. Somewhat sick right now as I try to read and navigate through this. Okay, let's dive into it, shall we? wonder how things look now. You want to see the full thing. Okay. Remembering Dave Street, the punk comic writer, lyricist, and actor. I am in shock that Dave Street is gone, especially considering everything that had recently happened, everything that he had just been through. For those of you who don't know, almost a year ago, Dave had fought tooth and nail as he clawed his way back up from the brink of death. I went to visit him at the hospital and was aghast at the sight that I saw. With everything that had been happening since 2020, it was certainly the last place anyone would want to be. But there was a little more to it than that. You see, in Dave's past, hospitals, doctors, and the American healthcare system at large were sort of a professor Moriarty to his Sherlock Holmes. He and his mother, Adele, had gone through the ringer as they dealt with a lack of humanity, dignity and general bedside manner that many encounter when navigating the adversity that can be found in the medical industry complex. Dave even wrote a book about these experiences called What the Health, Mommy. And now here he was surrounded by doctors and nurses trying to stabilize his condition while Dave was fighting to get on Medicaid. The high sodium levels he was dealing with hadn't just affected his body. Actually, it might have been calcium levels, not sodium levels. The high sodium or calcium levels he was dealing with hadn't just affected his body, but also his mind. Earlier that week, when we spoke on the phone, he was hardly coherent. It was heartbreaking, and I assumed that it must have been near the end. It had turned out Dave was inflicted by some form of cancer. It was a cancer in the back. Um, I thought that this trip to the hospital might not have been to say hello, but actually to say goodbye. He had lost a lot of weight. His frizzled gray hair had taken on a new level of theatrical chaos that I'm sure would have benefited a comic like Dave if he was up on the stage and not in a gurney bed. His face was gaunt and peppered with a five o'clock shadow that was so alien to the clean-shaven Dave I had known for the last twelve years. The worst part of all was the hospital gown that clung to his skeletal frame. It was kind of, it was the kind that only cared about modesty from the front and not from behind eschewing any kind of dignity for practicality. I hated seeing him like that. I really, really did. Um, even more, I hated that I was thinking about how this was probably the last time I was ever going to see Dave slightly more legible and coherent in speech than our previous phone conversation a few days earlier, he was now running from salty charm to sweet belligerence with any nurse or doctor who came through to give him a tray of banal hospital food or checked on his vital stats. That this is the end of the line for someone so vocal to be silenced by a final stay in a hospital room after everything that he had experienced, everything that he had wrote about, Dave was gonna die in a hospital bed. I first met Dave because of my infatuation with the misfits. Dave worked at Natasha's, which was a, a fashion, was like a fashion clothing store boutique on St. Mark's. Uh, and it was also the home to the first Fiend Club. And, uh He was not just friends with the band, but also played manager for them to help secure some gigs with the damned. Uh, For anyone to have witnessed that, it must have been a zany, wonderful time to have been a fly on the wall. Here's Dave with uh, Bobby Steele, I believe at Haraz, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. And here's Dave with Natasha wearing one of Natasha's custom-made jackets. Uh, Dave always claimed that he hardly remembered the late 70s through the 80s when he was a punk comic, swapping out Lichtenstein for the surname of Street. He would go on to open for bands like the Ramones, the Cramps, and the Misfits, and even put a seven-inch out of his stand-up. I'm glad I have a copy. I never got to see any of, I wrote this wrong, I never got to see any of Dave's, I never got to see Dave do any of his material from his own act, from his old act, but it was easy to imagine the effect that he could have on a crowd with the idiosyncratic, whimsical charm that still oozed from his pores decades later. The first time I came over to his house, I met his mother, Adele, It was the last years of her life, and she was the type of warm, personable, and endearing person that made you feel like you knew her your whole life. Adele was an extra grandma stored away in South Plainfield, New Jersey, just in case she ever needed one. I don't know what their relationship was always like, but Dave was so loving and tender, a good son, the best son at a time when Adele probably needed it the most. She was adored and cared for. Here's Dave with his mom. That's Adele. He used this picture for the cover of his book, uh, What the Health, Mommy? The interview we conducted in 2010 was not the last time I put Dave in front of, a ca- in front of the camera. A few months later, he came up to Hartsdale, New York to star in an adaptation of, of Terry Bisson's classic short story called They're Made Out of Meat. Dave rightfully played an alien named Soggle. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. I didn't come up with that name. Who is disgusted by a report he receives that Earth people are in fact made out of meat. Whenever Dave would call me after that, he would always say, Hey, Jeff, that's how he, that's how he'd greet me on the phone. Hey, Jeff with his signature inflection. And I would always respond with Dave street meat. And here you go. Here's like a little promotional poster for they they're made out of meat. And here's the, here's the movie. If you want to watch it, just go to the link and you can actually watch the movie. Um, It's like 10 minutes long. Dave is great in it. He's really, really fantastic in the film. One of the greatest tragedies is that Dave was not in more movies as some sort of character actor. He would have owned, he would have owned that well. He would have owned that well. Here's Dave as Uncle Elmo in uh, my feature film, Romeo's Distress. When I began working on my first feature film, Romeo's Distress, I knew Dave had to be involved. Not only did he bring the character of Uncle Elmo to life, but he put on a wig and fake shemp and fake shemp. I also misspelled that, and fake shemped the body of grandma, played by my actual 87-year-old grandma, Rini Mandel, who's also no longer with us. So the way I'll show you some pictures down below, but what I mean to say here is uh Dave was basically the double for all of the 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 acting and then i punched in on my grandmother's face so the both of them play the role of grandma as well as dave playing uncle elmo dave was also gracious in allowing us to sleep over and shoot the scene in his house he was also with us at the world premiere here we are at the world premiere with me uh uh feigning strangling that photo is by carl bloat um dave's very good friend. And um, here's a photo from Horror News Network of us. This was an interview I did, and they used this photo of of Dave and I in his house when we were shooting. And here's Dave dressed up like grandma. Let me see if I can. Oh, it's not going to let me zoom in on this. You have to go to the site. But here's Dave um, with the wig on and all the stuff dressing up like grandma doing some rehearsals with uh, Anthony. Uh, Dave took his role in these films very seriously. He was always off book, meaning that he always had his lines completely memorized. Um, He was always off booked and would, uh, uh, he was always off book and would craft hand gestures to accentuate his dialogue, meaning that Dave loved, 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 loved to speak with his hands. It was, he loved it. He loved doing it. He would, he would um, just accentuate the words with these physical movements that he would do with his hands. And it just, it, I, I always felt that it enhanced every, every little bit of acting that he did. And this right here is a promo for slam dunk, the junk. The very first day I ever met Dave uh, back in May of 2010, we shot this. I, I interviewed him and then he told me about slam dunk, the junk. And I said, Hey, do you, want, um, do you want me to shoot a little video for Slam Dunk the Junk? And I did. I did. Let me see if I can play it for you now. Let's um let's see what happens. Wow. 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 This is wonderful. Hope you can hear that.
1: Wow, oh, wow. Hi, I'm Dave Street, and I have here with me a truly wonderful, amazing book. It's called Let's Let's Spam Dunk the Junk, and this book uses the game of basketball to inspire kids kids all over this country. country. Can you guys hear
0: that okay? Recycle,
1: reuse, not litter, and to take care of this earth. It has, it has educational, educational pages, pages in it, and, and it, it even has, has activity, activity pages, pages, pages in it. Even, even more amazing, this book was printed in a, in a printing plant, plant that, that is run by House. So, so no, no carbon, carbon fossil, fossil fuels had to, had to be burned to make, to make this book. book. Slam dunk the junk, slam dunk the junk, don't let this bottom fall on the ground like a basketball. pass it around, recycle, reuse it, keep it in a loop, just like playing a game of hoop, slam dunk the junk, slam dunk the junk, keep, keep court the court clean, needed. it's common sense. sense, just like playing a good defense, and when things go in the recycling bin, that's a game we all can win, slam dunk the junk, slam dunk the junk slam dunk the junk dot com
0: um yeah so <laughs> we yeah we made that I, I see the comments guys thank you all thank you ru thank you i'm misanthrope thank you chris thank you everybody i'm just trying to zip through this because it's late i appreciate your all of your words um yeah, Dave really cared about that stuff. Uh, performing was in his blood as evident by all the amazing work he did in schools as a kid's education performer. And I didn't even know this. Um, Bobby Steele posted a tribute and I read it and I didn't even realize that Dave was Dave was a substitute teacher as well. I did not know that about him, but... I knew him as a kid's education performer. He would go around to all sorts of schools all over the place. And he would do special, he had special programs that he would do. um, Educational programs. And the kids loved him. And he won awards. He was, he had a website set up. Um, I think he was also known as Eco Dave as well. And uh, though that was how he made his living, uh, Dave was a radical who truly and deeply cared about social, political, and environmental issues across the spectrum that all held a common theme, the way that they affected and marginalized various groups of people. He was like a lobbyist, but a good one, who always desired to change the system that holds people down. These issues and themes informed everything that Dave would write. Books, scripts, plays, comics, and poetry. He was also a lyricist for The Undead, Bobby Steele's band after he left The Misfits. He wrote, uh, of the many lyrics he wrote, Tears on a Pillow, I Don't Want to Feel the Pain Anymore. I think he did Put Your Clothes Back on, just a bunch of stuff. Uh, I learned a lot from Dave. He espoused chivalrous values and ideals that could sometimes be endearingly quixotic. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, about how one should conduct themselves. Quixotic is, you know, Don Quixote. Uh, quixotic is like, um, oh man, you're gonna have to look it up. I'm not. I'm not gonna go through that right now. But it's uh, th- there was like a qu- that that quality was present, and I'll. I think it'll get explained more a little further down. Um, Dave was also there for one of my personal artistic low points for me personally. Uh, The feature film we made was playing at an event that wasn't quite what it was supposed to be. Without getting into details, it was quite humiliating. And as a result, there was barely anyone who showed up to the screening. And And it would have somehow been even worse if I didn't have Dave by my side. We had the option to sort of leave out the the back door, if you will, and write off a bad situation. And that's what I wanted to do. But Dave told me that we should stay no matter what. He said that I should stand by my work and be proud of it, even if this event was somewhat embarrassing, that I needed to see it through. He kept telling me, you never know what could happen. Uh, Beaming again with that, this warm, quixotic optimism that was hard to ignore. I listened to him. Um, Dave sat by my side as we watched the film. It was something I never want to do again, but I'm so glad that I stood by my work and saw it through to the end. I never forgot it. For years afterward, every time Dave and I would speak on the phone, I would remind him of how much his words meant to me at such a low point. He so deeply affected me in this way. I was so down. I was feeling so disillusioned and embarrassed and just horrible. And Dave, um, with that, just like that that eternal optimism, just there was something uh, so truthful in what he was saying. He was so nurturing um, uh, and caring with his words. And he just... It was like, he didn't literally hold my hand, but he held my hand through that whole situation, you know? Um, So yeah, Uh, Dave, yeah, we already read that part. Those values and ideals came straight from Dave's heart because here's the thing about Dave. He had so much heart, the biggest heart I know. And he believed in the boundless power that a positive mental attitude can help someone through anything. And Dave, he tried to live his life by that principle as best he could. He would leave little post-it notes scribbled with mantras of encouragement around his computer desk. They always involved things that he wanted or needed to materialize. And even if they never did, He still invested in that power. He always believed. It kept him going. The Triangle of Success. Dave also came up with the Triangle of Success. It was something that he had conceived when writing a play called The Problem, in which Dave brilliantly characterized metaphors for many of life's relatable problems through the personification of them. You recognize how a show like South Park would have been lucky to have Dave writing for them when you see the problem, which my wife, Enav and I were fortunate enough to attend when they were doing workshops of the material. This is Dave Street's triangle of success. Number one, At the base of the triangle is clear communication. This is the basis and foundation of the triangle. Always make sure you are communicating clearly and totally what your message is and what your agreement is. So many times we have problems in life because we assume we know what the other party has communicated to us and we are wrong. It is so important to always clearly communicate down to the last detail or any relationship any agreement number two the right side of the triangle is keeping our word once we know what we have communicated then it is up to us to keep our word aside from things like act of god like an act of god clause where things happen that are outside of our control we should do everything we humanly can to make sure we keep our word and three the left side of the triangle is controlling our emotions. The reason people break agreements is because they get angry and upset. They know they have communicated clearly. They know what they have given their word on, but they don't like what that person just did to them, you know, what somebody might've just done to them, basically, and decided to change what they had agreed on. We can't let emotions provoke us into negative behavior. We can't let our emotions break our word. We can't let our emotions go against what we have clearly communicated. I like to imagine that Dave partially decided to call it the, the triangle of success because these ideals may seem deceptively simple, but can be very difficult to put into practice in the end, we're just people afforded the opportunity to try our best. Therefore, it is a triangle. Try looking at it from this angle. Hmm. Um, and now for all that wisdom, for all that p- positivity that he had put out into the world, here he was in the twilight years of his life with serious health problems, unable to work, and mounting medical bills that were already weighing him down on other previous debts, such as st- um also stuck in a hospital bed that he might never leave. I wasn't the only one to visit Dave, of course. And that genuine human connection must have been a tonic for his weakened yet enduring spirit. I know his friend Carl Bloat visited him, who spoke on the phone. Uh, hadn't seen him in uh since the premiere of my movie. And Um, Dave put us on the phone. We had a nice conversation. Um, I wasn't the only one to visit Dave, of course, and that genuine human connection must have been a tonic for his weakened yet enduring spirit. He was well-loved and taken care of in that regard, especially by his niece, Morgan. Notwithstanding, it was still hard for me to imagine him escaping that fate that scene before him his niece Morgan fought so hard to help get Dave on Medicaid she was doing all sorts of stuff she was his champion I think Dave had a lot of champions in his life but I think his his from what I saw his niece Morgan was oh my god the stuff she did for him um he was so lucky to have her in his life um And yeah, it was still hard for me to imagine him escaping this fate. I really didn't think Dave was going to leave the hospital. I didn't think it was possible. He just seemed at the end. It was absolutely, he was on, he was, it was over. It was now early afternoon and Dave's lunch came. He began worrying and fussing over something with the tray of hospital food. I told him that he needed to recover so that he could be in my next film, as we had previously discussed that he needed to keep going and keep writing and being creative. I was just saying anything that I could to Dave um just to get just to sort of I don't know just just to 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 help him um not focus on where he was let alone be in the right state of mind. Dave wasn't Dave was completely out of it. He was uh incoherent um, I think I was quite polite in the writing, but the reality is Dave, when I first spoke to him on the phone, he couldn't talk. He literally couldn't talk. He was making no sense. He was just, he. he as he would later claim, he was hallucinating. It, it was nuts. And slowly when I saw him in the hospital, it was better. I was able to actually talk to him a little bit and it was a little bit better. Um, and despite his haze, what he said floored me when I told him he needed to keep going and keep writing and keep being creative, just trying to encourage him. He said this, even now as I write this, even though even even now as I wrote this today, uh, Dave's eyes were closed and he told me, I've been writing this whole time in my head. I've been writing. I never stopped. He told me that when he was just lying in that bed By himself in his hospital room, he was just writing in his head. He didn't even have a pen or a paper, and he was still writing. He was still thinking about stories in his crazy state of mind. Despite the betrayal from his own body during what had to have been some of his darkest days and lowest points, he never let that creative spark die. He never lost that optimism that he could get out of the hospital, let alone function. Autonomously and domestically in his own house. He was already thinking about how he was going to turn these harrowing experiences into a new book. Dave wanted to get better. He still wanted to do things, he still wanted to create. His body was ailing, but his mind was more passionate than ever. And that seemed quixotic. Once again, that's the theme here with Dave. It, it this quixotic mix, misplaced optimism that told him he would come back from this and actually allow him, sorry, I'm butchering this. Um, And that seemingly quixotic misplaced optimism that told him he would come back from this actually allowed him to get out of the hospital alive. That's right. He did. I mean, obviously he didn't die in the hospital. Um, he he and I got to tell you, he kept talking like he was going to leave. And I was like, oh, no, 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 you, you are. This is it. This is it. And not only did he leave that hospital alive, he did write that book. It's called Waking Up Nowhere. It's important to note that even though he had complicated feelings surrounding his experiences with the American healthcare system and the medical industrial complex, he was so grateful for the doctors and nurses who saved his life. They took good, good care of him. And he was uh, overwhelmed with emotion um, because of that. Um, The next time we spoke on the phone, he was back from the brink, convalescing, reciting monologues of things that he had written in his head. I am so glad that I have them recorded. Um, We made plans to come down to Jersey and shoot that his scene for the new film. So what I had talked about in the hospital, we made good on, on, on that discussion and went down to Jersey to film Dave. Um, Considering we were back at the same house and the part that I had in mind was so similar, we decided that he should just reprise his role of Uncle Elmo. So he Dave essentially played the same character that he played in the first film. And he knocked it out of the park, bringing the same passion and energy that he had previously. And here's Dave. Um, here's Dave in his chair. Right before his, his final interview, It's I guess it's not. I think he's done more stuff, more stuff after this. But um, I don't know if that was ever released. It was an amazing thing to witness. Dave wasn't just back from the brink of death. He was also living at home, functioning autonomously, walking a mile every day and regaining his strength. His mind was sharp again, and he was back to his old self, writing that book as well as writing lyrics about punk rock thank yous to the doctors and nurses who took care of him. It was the best possible way that I could have seen him for the last time Without exactly knowing, I was seeing him for the last time. And I'll tell you, I think that's best in general. I think it's, even if you have an inclination that you may never see someone again, I think it is best to to not be totally aware. Um, because if you're aware, it, there's something so There's something that can be so excruciating about having to accept that you are speaking to someone for the last time or seeing them for the last time, that you're never going to see them alive again. It's, uh, It's a hard notion to wrap your mind around. But in this case, this was the best possible way I could have seen him for that last time without knowing it. Dave had previously requested over the phone when we were planning our trip to come down and shoot him that he sit in front of the camera and have me interview him about some of his experiences when we had finished shooting his scene. As I write this, I do recall some weird unspoken mutual feelings, some intuition. You can see it in the video as I asked him impromptu questions off the top of my head, thinking that this video needed to capture his essence somehow He had an idea that they could have been his final tapes that fortunately ended up not being the case. As I just stated, Um, Dave is very emotional in this interview, which I'm going to upload to the channel. um, When I get off here, he, he, he is talking like it might be his last time on camera. And at that time, he was doing really great. But I think even Dave realized that he must have been living on borrowed time. Um, that that what he was experiencing might not have been sustainable. He still had cancer; it was just manageable. And you know, he didn't know he didn't know how much time he had left. Um, we said our goodbyes until next time. That's the thing about getting out alive. You know, he got out, he got out of that hospital alive, but, you know, it was just an illusion. Nobody gets out alive. None of us get out alive. None of us are going to get out of here alive. It comes a time where it's time to go. This is the last picture of, that we took uh, with Dave, that I took with Dave. Um, that was the last moment I ever saw him alive. Um, We spoke on the phone after that, but that was the last time I saw him at his house. This will sound cliche and lame, but it's almost as if he really did tell death, not today. You know, like in Game of Thrones, what do we say to death? Not today. And death listened. But the thing is, death always comes back. And that's what happened to Dave. Yesterday, death came back but he came back in a much gentler way. Um, Bob Lichtenstein, Bob, Dave's cousin, told me over the phone that he went in his sleep, and I was relieved, frankly. Yeah, that's right. I was relieved that Dave went in his sleep, not because Dave was gone, not because he had died, but, but, but because he got to go in the most peaceful way possible. His sister wrote on Facebook that he was found Peaceful with a smile on his face. And I just can't think of a better way to leave this world in your own bed, asleep with a smile on your face. God bless you, Dave. He didn't die in his darkest hour in a hospital, wrapped in a gown, showing his bare ass to all who might enter the room. He overcame all of it and died triumphantly with the dignity that he deserved in his own bed, peacefully with a smile on his face after spending months and months with renewed vitality and creative outpouring in his writing. And that's what happened when Dave got out of the hospital. He just, he just, it poured out of him. He started writing and he was being creative and he felt like he had a new lease on life. He didn't, Dave, It's not sad that Dave died because Dave was going to die. What's 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 incredible is that Dave didn't die in that hospital, that Dave made it and he died on top, not at the bottom. You know what I mean? That's what it really makes me. uh, That's what I take. I take solace in that. I really do. I, I think it's a testament to his triangle of success. Um. This is not, this is kind of hard to admit, but I'm just going to say it. The last time Dave called me, I didn't pick up. I made the conscious decision to not do it. I didn't, I purposely did not pick up the phone the last time Dave called me. I wasn't able to talk in that moment and I never returned his call in time. And that is something that I will regret forever. It is also not the first time that this has happened either. Those who ignore painful lessons are doomed to repeat them. And I was destined to repeat this one. But I take solace in the fact that when we first spoke after he had been hospitalized, delirious and incoherent, I began to tell him that I loved him. And I ended every phone call with some variation of, I love you, Dave, or I love you, man, or love you, man. Uh, And I know that those were the last words between us because the last time I spoke to him on the phone, I know that I said that to him. I know I told him that I loved him. And so it doesn't matter that I didn't get to speak to him that one last time. Um, And this is to Dave. Dave, I promise that I will read that book. I can't wait for everyone else To see you in your final performance in the new film. You may have moved on to the great beyond, but your essence, your beliefs, and your ideals carry on in all of us who are blessed enough to to be in your presence. You've taught me that even when the body fails, the spirit can carry you forward and to never give up. And here's Dave. It's so interesting. It's so full circle how we started our relationship uh with me filming him for an interview and we we came full circle and we finished we finished our time here on earth doing an interview um and here's Dave with the undead record that he did lyrics for as well as the insert that he wrote for the horror business which was his big um to do the 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 notable his footnote in punk rock history that he wrote the insert for this iconic record, um, which was the very thing that brought us together in the first place. Uh, Shine on Dave Street. Uh, Dave was born on November 14th, 1949, and he shuffled loose this mortal coil on April 5th, 2022. And this was something that he, like a scheme that he had cooked up, not a scheme, but like he just, uh, <laughs> he he was making Xeroxes of uh, the inserts and he thought he could sell them for money. And I even like um, made like, we kind of like did like a little like promo thing for it, but I don't know. I just, I didn't have the heart to upload it. I just didn't think it was gonna, I don't know. It, um, this is what Dave wrote in the, uh, in, in the insert. On February 28th, 1979, the Misfits and a mobile recording unit entered an abandoned haunted house in northern New Jersey, they recorded and left. While mixing the tapes back at an NYC studio, strange voices and noises were heard in the background. Note, especially Teenagers from Mars, no explanation of these sounds could be given by the band or the recording crew. The following tracks on this record are a result of the, of that eerie session, Dave street. And he wrote to my friend, Jeff, thank you for all that you do for, for the, I don't know what that is for the world, for the world, for the word. I don't know what that, what that bottom line is. And the very last thing he said, and never give up. And I never will. I never fucking will. And uh, that's, that's it. There's, there's a little bit more coming. I have a video of Dave talking about the triangle of success. And I'm going to post that on the YouTube channel. So check that out. And I, there's a, I want to say it's 35 minutes long. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if it's his final interview or his final time talking on camera, but it's definitely one of them. And uh, you can see the emotion uh, gets very emotional at certain times. Cause I, like I said, I think he knew that it was his fa- one of the, he, he, it, it was like, it was like an insurance policy just in case, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, it's really hard to talk. Cause like I said, I'm sick and my throat is just so messed up right now. Like I, I didn't, I really did not want to do this, but I just felt like, um, I just felt like it I just I don't know I wanted to get something out for Dave um and um what else was I going to say I'll upload that that thing to the channel if you want to see Dave act in some movies check out on the channel we have they they're made out of meat as well as Romeo's his his scenes in Romeo's distress and Dave will be in a new film coming out has yet to come out as well as the Misfits documentary that that caused us to meet in the first place. um. And hopefully the book gets properly released. Uh, I was thinking about it today. And if the book does not get released properly, I'm going to read the book on air. That's what I'm going to do. That's my plan. I'm going to read the book no matter what, but maybe I'll read it on air because Dave, he thought that he, he, he believed he, he wrote that stuff because he wanted to help people. They've always wanted to help people. He did. Uh, what, uh, as we, as, as we, as us Jews say, what a mensch, um, may his memory be a blessing. And, you know, I don't know if you pray or if you, whatever, just keep, think about Dave, think about his mom, think about, um, Think about the issues that he cared about and, you know, donate to a charity too. I wanted to put a charity on here, but Facebook won't let me unless I have 10,000 subscribers. If there's uh, Dave, Dave loved charities. And so, you know, if there's, you know, keep, keep Dave's good intentions and vibrations moving by donating. If you get a chance, you don't have to talk about it. It's not good to talk about it. You just do it. You do it quietly. You don't have to post about it on Facebook. You just do it quietly. And um, that's it, man. That's it. No sponsor messages tonight. It's not about that. It's really, really not. I know I have the ticking screen. I forgot to take it down. Um, It's not about any of that stuff. It's really not. It's um, It's just about saying goodbye to Dave. There will be uh, a service for him. I don't know when that information. I asked his cousin. None of that information has been solidified yet. Usually, Jews uh, put put their put their their own. I should say their kind, their own, in the ground within 24 hours of death. That's generally how it works, religious or not religious. From the sound of things, it doesn't sound like that's happening. It sounds like it's going to take a little bit longer. Which um, I hope so because. I really want to be at that service and I don't know. I don't know why I'm babbling about this. Um, So yeah, so keep your eyes peeled for those videos. I have more videos of Dave coming. Uh, Watch them and share them. Share Dave's triangle of success and try and implement it in your life. Um, That's it. Yes, Dave did believe in people. Thank you, Rue. Um, uh, I'm glad you light a candle for him. That's beautiful. And thank you allegedly, but also really. Carl Somer says, love Dave. I was literally that fly on the wall. So many memories of Dave and my uncle, Carl bloat. Oh, so your, your uncle is Carl. That's great. Dave, uh, Dave is uncle Sam. Yes. He had his uncle Sam get up spending time in upstate New York at my grandparents' house. That's Awesome. Um, I Mesanthrope says rest in power, Dave. I saw Bobby Steele's post about, about it. And, and, and the fact that he wrote some of the best undead songs, I'd love to check out all his material. Totally should totally should. Um, okay guys, that's it. No, no Patreon tonight or anything. It just, just, um, just think about Dave. We love you, Dave. Um, we love you. Peace. And hair grease.